Chapter 28 of Arona, The Arrival at Castone The long march to Midolin was finally over. Our now great army had arrived to retake control of the Aron and destroy King Akat and his allies once and for all. As we approached the narrow canyons leading up to the city of Castone, we passed soldiers of all types lining the cannon walls in full armor, anxiously waiting for the battle to begin. Some looked human, with armor made from metal and several other mysterious materials. Others looked animal-like or beast-like, and still others looked like nothing I had ever seen before. Almost all of them wore a uniform of some type. Many of the uniforms were colorful. They held various shields, spears, swords, and all manner of shooting weapons. Many had their coat of arms displayed on their chests or shields, while others wore little flags attached to the top of their helmets or backs. One thing was for sure, they were prepared for battle, and seemed annoyed by our late departure. Chelsiah had told me that many of these beings would normally never be standing anywhere near one another, much less side by side. Some were even sworn enemies, but they are all here now, together, united. Several armies have been sent out of desperation by their sovereigns, who are now dying without their supply of the Aron. Others were sent for revenge. They too had felt the harsh blow of the Taronks. And still others were there out of friendships, alliances, or for the benefit they thought this battle would bring. Once we pushed our way up through the canyons, I could see the sea and the imposing city of Castone above in the distance. Standing in wait on the plateau stood the rest of the vast, seemingly infinite army that had already gathered to retake the city. Men, beasts of burden, and war machines were being assembled along the long cliff's edge looking out to the city. I could see the many different colors and flags of the various kingdoms in their camps. I looked out at Castone as we drew nearer and saw the city packed with defenders, all of them waiting the inevitable invasion. The sea below was filled with great ships, now under control of the Taronks and their allies. I watched as the ships hoisted up supplies and even more men into the city. We will set up camp there, near the kingdom of Kokohala, yelled King Richard, riding quickly towards an empty spot that looked to be reserved for the Nudonian army. We rode through the armies and banners on a narrow pathway, and I again saw many strange creatures and beings. It was as if all of Arona was assembled here, and for good reason. Never before, since Russo had first begun widely distributing the Aron, had the people been forced to live without it. Grand tents were set up in each camp, where the kings and queens and their courts waited. These sovereigns and leaders rarely left the safety of their own kingdoms, and most would never participate in a battle. However, since many were now quickly dying without the Aron, they wanted to be as close as possible to the source once the city was taken, fearing that it might take too long to reach their kingdom. Because they had become so accustomed to this steady delivery over centuries, most of the kingdoms had failed to stockpile any extra around. Richard was one of the few fortunate ones to have plenty for himself and his loved ones. During the long journey here, we had heard talk of riots and coups in several kingdoms, as the Aron dried up. Only the very wealthy could afford to buy the life force on the black market, causing many of their households to be overrun by their less privileged neighbors. I wondered what I would do to keep myself and my loved ones alive if I was in their situation. I couldn't imagine watching my child, who I'd spent hundreds of years with, 
suddenly becoming old, wrinkled, and frail. Especially if I knew that if I stole the tiniest amount from my neighbor, I could keep that child alive. If we failed to restore control of the Aron, the devastation to Arona's population would be unprecedented. Millions or even billions would die without the Aron. The king rode over to us. Chelsiah, Troy, follow me. The leaders are meeting now. You and your brother spent time inside Castone recently. Your knowledge might be of some help. We rode to a large tent farther from the cliff's edge, which had been set up as a meeting point for the sovereigns and leaders. It was dark now, and torches led the way as we entered the grand tent. The many kings, queens, and other leaders sat at a massive round table waiting for us. Richard, we are most pleased you have finally arrived, said an old frail queen with black and green hair that twisted upwards, a golden crown resting on the highest point. Her strange speckled skin barely seemed to cling to the bones beneath her dark wrinkles. My thanks, Queen Valerian, said Richard. I will be blunt. The time to strike is now. The people of Pennylock are dying. Others murmured in agreement. No, we must wait for the other kingdoms. They should be here any moment. We need the full force of our combined peoples if we are to take Castone. I have brought a man, Troy, who recently came from Earth. He visited Russo not long ago. Troy, tell them of the meetings you observed in Russo's court, the ones you told me about. I was surprised Richard had called on me to speak to so many, but quickly spoke up. I saw delegates from many kingdoms during our stay. Russo seemed especially busy with the delegates from the Taronk. Yes, but what other kingdoms did he spend time with? Asked Queen Valerian. Uh, I'm not sure if I remember all the names. I saw him meet with the Tregnak, the Wethered, Holtinium, Uai. Z and Colcherian kingdoms, I explained, trying to remember all the names. They had many meetings together. But the Wethar kingdom is one of my closest allies, said another king as he slammed his fist on the table. Even my delegates might have been in Russo's court at that time. Yes, they were, but they didn't attend these particular meetings. For several days, this group of delegates followed Russo around. Once I was walking through the hallway and past the room where I could hear them talking about King Richard and the status of his army. It caught my attention because I knew we were going there. I didn't understand exactly what it all meant at the time. Regardless of what this Troy from Earth says, the Quatrarian have promised their support. They should arrive the day after tomorrow, said a very tall queen with short orange hair and four long pointed ears. Then we must wait, said Richard. He stood up and looked at the model of Castone on the table. No one has ever tried to capture Castone. Many lives will be lost. We need all the soldiers we can get. An Elden general named Trendon promised me their support. They too haven't arrived yet. We need to wait. Their air support during the siege could be very helpful. We cannot rely on the Elden. They never leave the safety of their trees. Another frail queen, 
with pinkish skin and strange blue hair stood up. Every day, scores of my people die back home in Pondaran. Even if we took over Castone today, scores more will die by the time the Arone is delivered to my kingdom. My soldiers and I are starting to show our true age, and we are becoming weaker every day. What good is an army of old weaklings? We must attack now while we still have our strength. No, said King Richard firmly. We need the armies and advanced siege weapons of the Wethard and Holtinium. Yes, but how certain are you that they will side with us rather than a cut? I'm certain. Very well. All in favor of waiting for two more days, asked Richard, raising his hand. The vote was close, but Richard received the majority. The Queen of Pandaran wasn't wrong. Over the next two days, I watched as our enormous army began to look less and less intimidating. Strong young men, who had made the journey to Middleham looking like they were in their 30s, started to look like seasoned old knights in their armor. Late afternoon on the second day, while we sat impatiently waiting, we heard a loud commotion coming from the cliff's edge. We pushed our way through the yelling crowds to get a look at what was happening. What is it? I yelled to the man next to me. Our allies, the ones we have been waiting for, look! I looked down and could see ships being unloaded and their passengers being lifted up into Castone. I observed other ships sailing towards the base of the mountain. I didn't recognize their flags. The Wethards, Coltrayans, Holtinians, said the princess. They betrayed us, just as you warned. It was then I realized what had happened. A cat and his allies had outsmarted us once again. We had done exactly what he hoped we would do. He had purposely delayed their coming, knowing that we grew weaker by the hour. The men around us screamed profanely toward the city and their old allies in frustration and disgust. Several of them hopelessly shot their weapons in the direction of Castone, while others mooned and made crude gestures. We could do nothing but watch Castone become even stronger and more fortified, as the powerful weapons of Wethard and Holtinium were hoisted up into the city. Fights began breaking out in the camps as morale sunk to a new low. Soldiers everywhere demanded we attack. The leaders met in the main tent once again, and five minutes later, King Richard emerged. We attack at dawn. Mm-hmm.